This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore. Welcome, everyone. It was six months ago today that we first turned this microphone on and recorded our very first episode of Rumble with Michael Moore. We just decided to do it. We we talked about it for a long time. Uh, we talked to other people who did podcasts and got their advice or whatever, and and uh, and then myself and executive producer here Basil Hamden uh, just uh, decided to throw caution to the wind and um, and get busy. And so now here we are. That was December 17th when we started. This is June 17th as I'm recording this right now. And uh, and we have we have this is this will be episode number 92 uh, over these uh, six months. We're very proud of all of these episodes and uh, so many different guests, such a diversity of of, of thinking and approaches to um what we're all trying to deal with right now. And, and also some very uh, famous and funny and, and uh, uh, thrilling guests uh, that we've had during this time. So um, this episode uh, on our, on our six month anniversary, uh, I thought it would be a good idea to finally uh, introduce you to, and for me to finally meet, because I have not spoken to them, the winners of our two contests that we've had. Uh, we announced before we got our 5 millionth download, 5 millionth listener, that we would, uh, whoever 5 million was, uh, uh, they would uh, they would get a trip to New York City. This is before the pandemic. And, um, and we would have them on the show. So uh, our winner, as you'll hear uh, for the 5 millionth listener, was difficult uh, to find her. Um, we wrote and we uh, we went to LinkedIn. We looked at we looked everywhere to try and find her, and uh, and she wasn't getting back to us. And we thought that was unusual because, well, she's a listener, but maybe you know she's not somebody that likes the show so much. If you know what I mean. So, um, but we finally found her, and you'll hear in my uh, in my conversation with her exactly what it was that was so important that she was doing uh, that kept her uh, from receiving her prize and being on this, on this podcast. Uh, she'll be our, our first guest. Uh, her name is Ann Crake uh, from Portland, Oregon. The, our second guest on this episode uh, and actually the next two, the second and third guest are the co-winners. We had a tie for our 10 millionth listener uh, here uh, just in the, in the last uh, uh, couple of weeks and uh, so uh, the, the two of them, one of them, his name is Rob Messick. He's a truck driver for UPS uh, in southern New Jersey. Uh, and his co-winner is a woman by the name of Kathy Best. And she lives on Vancouver Island, uh, just off the Canadian coast uh, there up in Canada. Uh, so she will join us as our third guest on this uh, podcast. I, again, we're, I have not met uh, any of these people. I will uh, just be talking to them via phone or Zoom or Zencaster, and um, and I I'm looking forward to this, and I think you will too. Uh, so, uh, my um, uh, producer here, Basil, has already spoken to them, and um, and assures me that we are going to have a good time 
on this podcast. So thank you uh, for tuning into this. Uh, it, uh, it is day 100 for me, uh, in my, uh, quarantine, my self quarantine, my lockdown, uh, my, uh, uh, home self arrest, home arrest, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm doing fine. Everything is good. And, um, and I'm so glad that you've stuck with me. I'm so glad that all of you have been part of this podcast and have listened to it, uh, the, the two or three or four times a week that uh, we decide to do it. You're there means a lot to me. Uh, thank you. Thank you to the platforms that have been carrying me for free. And uh, that includes, uh, of course, Apple and iTunes and Google and and Stitcher and especially Spotify and their people at Anchor um, and Radio Public. Jeez, uh, I can't mention all the ones that carry us. But thank you, all of you uh, platforms that uh, that do this. And um um, we plan to do this for another six months. God only knows what the next six months look like. So um, we'll be here. We'll be here for you. And um, um, and maybe when we have the next contest, you'll be on uh, this podcast. Which uh, So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to, to the three that I have with us uh, here today, um, standing by uh, to, for their, their uh, appearance on Rumble. Thank you, all of you, for being part of it. And let's begin by going to our our five millionth listener uh, from Portland, Oregon, uh, and her name is Anne Craig. Anne, are you there? I am. Hi, Michael. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, and congratulations uh, for being a number number five million. It. Uh, um, we never. We never. <laughs> We never thought we'd get to a hundred thousand, so uh, so we're we're um, uh, happy at, uh, at the moment here for all the people who've been tuning in, but but especially to you and and so we saw that you were from Portland, Oregon, and then we discovered, as you t- told us, that uh, well, you weren't originally from Portland, and uh, do you want to just tell the people listening? Uh, where you were born and where where you where you grew up i don't mean i don't mean to be laughing but it's the 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 i don't know what the the weird um possibility of this uh of of the coincidence of this is i'll just let you explain to people where where you're originally from sure so i'm originally from flint michigan like you i don't really believe in coincidence <laughs> so i i think this is an amazing thing that's happening yeah yes i i uh I I was uh, I was really surprised because I remember saying to Basil, "Oh, our, our five millionth listeners from Portland, you know, and we all like Portland. <laughs> Everybody, who doesn't who doesn't love Portland?" And um, and then and then uh, uh, he contacted you, and then then we find out that you're you're actually originally from Flint. So so when, so how long did you were, did you grow up there, or did you were your parents from there or how 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 that all work yeah so i did grow up there um my mother was originally from tawas my dad was actually mm-hmm. sir right near davison um michigan you he was from where da- uh vassar michigan oh vassar uh-huh yeah right up uh m15 right. north of where i grew up in davison yeah exactly wow and we met at central michigan in college and uh, then they moved to Flint. My father got a job with General Motors in their quality control department. 
And then um, my mother was uh, eventually to join General Motors when both of us, my sister and I went to school. Hmm. And what did she do there? She started on the line, but ended up uh, in as the labor relations manager um, at the Buick Old mm-hmm. Black Plant in Lake Orion, Michigan. Oh, right. And then and you, your dad in quality control, what, what factory was he in, in in Flint? He was at Buick. Okay, so so my dad worked on the assembly line at uh, AC Spark. <gasps> so did my great-grandfather. Is that right? Oh, my God. Yeah, and, yeah. and my dad eventually got to work quality control. So his job essentially was to walk up and down the spark plug line, making sure the spark plugs were being put together correctly. Yeah. So it was right over there uh, between Dort Highway and Averill yes. uh, Avenue. Yes. So that's amazing. And and, and where where did you uh, where did you go to high school? I went to Powers Catholic. Um, and I started at St. Mary's. I actually started at Washington. I don't even know if that school is there anymore on the east side. Yeah, it's 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 there. It's it's there, but it's uh, in in my in my in my last film. Um, I uh, it's it's empty, and mm. so the um, the uh, I, think, I believe the, uh, the the Pentagon has been using it for target practice. They said when they do urban warfare training, sadly they they. They go and bomb uh, or attack uh, empty buildings in Flint uh, for oh, training. Yikes. It's a little, uh, yes, I know it's somewhat ironic and sad to us uh, there. But uh, so you went to St. Mary's. So my dad went to St. Mary's. My dad graduated uh, from St. Mary's uh, High School. And that's uh, yeah. Basil, is anybody still listening to this? <laughs> it's like we are like, <laughs> where's Dort Highway? <laughs> people, people right now are are listening to this in Barcelona and going, "What is? Why are we listening about Dort Highway?" No, well, this is anyways. It, it was really amazing to to hear this once uh, you had been discovered as our five millionth uh, listener. So, so eventually, I guess you were no longer in Flint. Actually, we we had a, a bit of a hard time tracking you down. And we kept writing, writing to you, and then, and finally, um, finally, we heard back from you, and you told us why we were having a hard time um, tracking you down, and, and maybe you could share with people what it is that you do, and especially what you've been doing uh, for the the last few months that made you so difficult uh, to find. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um... No, no, that's okay. When people hear what you've been doing, and when we heard it, it was like, oh, jeez, you know. It it uh, it reminds me of a, of a of something you know my mother had told me years and years when I was a kid. Basically, is that when somebody uh, is late or hasn't shown up, you know, on time or hasn't called you back, don't start don't start with the assumption that. Well, what's what, why why are they <laughs> why are they late? Why, you should start with, oh my god, I hope they're okay. Yeah, very wise. You haven't heard from them. Yes. Yeah, it, like take the kind approach that there might be a re- there might be a reason why you haven't heard back. And now I would love for you to share with the people listening to my podcast uh, why why we why it took so long to to find you. Yeah, I love that she gives the benefit of the doubt. I think we all could do that and be more compassionate towards each other. Yes. So I graduated from both Michigan State and Michigan, and I got my degree uh, in industrial health uh, from Michigan. And um, I am a U.S. active duty 
public health service officer. And so I started with NIOSH in Cincinnati, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And then I've since moved several, I've, this is my fourth agency now, but right now I'm actually working for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And as, we, as you know, as a lot of people know, we were in charge of establishing the alternate care facilities that were set up for people who had both COVID and non-COVID related issues. The mobile hospitals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them weren't mobile. Some of them, we, we went into old veterans uh, facilities, for instance, that weren't being used anymore. And, and actually we had some um, care sites set up in stadiums um, and at uh, fairgrounds, for instance. Uh, fortunately, we didn't end up uh, needing to use most of them, but that's what you want, right? You want to have it and not need it. Um, and so I do that. And then I'm also in charge of a regional uh, safety and occupational health program for the Army Corps of Engineers with about 5,300 employees. And we manage the hydropower plants up and down the Columbia and the Missouri rivers. So we've got 14 states and it's a big job. <laughs> wow. So what you're telling me is that while we were desperate trying to find you, spending all this energy trying to track you down, you were just off helping people who had come down with COVID-19 and as a public health officer with the Army Corps of Engineers. Is that what you're telling us? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do and that you've been doing in these past uh, few months. When you finally got a hold of us and we and you told us what was going on, we were first of all, embarrassed for our, our bugging you so much, but, but also, um, um, so it was just another serendipitous thing, not just the Flint connection or the fact that your parents and, and my dad and grandparents worked in Flint for General Motors and went to St. Mary's, but also the fact that, that you were out there on the front lines trying to help this pandemic, trying to help American citizens coming down with us. And um, uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, I thought it was a hoax. <laughs> oh, when, when, when we got out, when we contacted you, yes. you thought it was a. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> but what I do for a living is risk management. And so I thought I saw some red flags. What, what was the first one? My, my name? <laughs> um, no, it was Basil's back in February. Oh, right. He's our executive producer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought this must be an, uh, an advertisement for something. So I didn't even open the email, like an advertisement for the podcast. And so I didn't open the email, but what caught my attention though, was the email from you that said, Hey, Ann from Michael Moore. And I thought, Oh God, I better open this. Cause I forgot about the 5 million podcast. I don't even remember. Did I enter something about that? Or <laughs> I don't even remember. Right. right. Cause it was back in like October or November. Jeez, Basil, when was this? Five million was uh, oh, March, but it was right at the right at the very at the in the well the, the thick of uh, gearing up for the pandemic. And was, uh, the, the email came in from Anne on February 29th. On February 29th. So okay, so it was the end. Of, oh, the last day of February. Otherwise, in, in a leap year known as March. Um, how long was it, Basil, before we actually connected with Ann then? Um, it was May. It was the middle of May. <laughs> May. So it was from the beginning of March to May because you're out there running around the country uh, 
trying to help save lives. Um, no, so it's and 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 uh, okay, I get it now. So it, it, Basil told me also, if I remember correctly, when you, we finally spoke, he said that that this this particular podcast that you downloaded and listened to uh, there around February 29th was the first time you'd ever listened to a podcast. Is that correct? It is. What's the chance also of, of you <laughs> never listening to a podcast before? And then the first time you do, you're the winner of the 5 million podcast listener. Exactly. Okay. But so, so, so what made, so what made you decide to actually try a podcast and then, and then why mine? Cause there's a lot funnier podcasts out there. You know. <laughs> well, I don't do it for the entertainment necessarily. You know, I know I could, I knew I would, I would get some hope because I found hope in all of your, your materials, you know, up till now. And I was really needing some hope. I've been a fan of yours for years, Michael. In fact, I've been wanting to tell you this story. When I meet people and I don't know their political leanings yet, and they ask me where I'm from, I always tell them, oh, I'm from Flint, Michigan, me and Michael Moore. And if they roll eyes and say something like, oh, that guy, then I know I probably can't talk politics with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the opposite, um, you know, then I know, hey, we could be friends. <laughs> wow. That's, <laughs> um, I don't know what to say to that. I, I uh, uh, thank you, I guess. Right. I, that means a lot. To, and I'm glad I, I've also, I've also been a filter to protect you from uh, from people that you, you don't want to get into an argument with. So back in March, um, right after you downloaded and listened to the um, uh, five millionth uh, uh, five millionth person, person to li to listen to uh, Rumble, um, I uh, decided to go into my own quarantine. And I wasn't in Traverse City at the time. I happened to be in New York, and and I. I've had an apartment in New York for many years because I work here, movies, et cetera, you know. So, um, so I decided to hunker down in this uh, in this apartment. Today is day one hundred of me inside uh, this apartment, and and I mean inside. I have not gone out, you know. And I I talked to my doctor about it. You know, I had pneumonia uh, a couple years ago, and. Uh, he said, your lungs are in somewhat of a compromised uh, situation. You're a man, you're over 60. So um, I think it's best to just stay put, uh, especially you're in New York City, which is the epicenter of uh, much of this, especially a lot of the death. And uh, so that's what I've done. And I, I've stayed inside. Uh, I, have a little, I have a little deck outside um, my uh, window here so I can, I, I get out and get some sun and some air and I, I walk back and forth on it. Uh, I, I, I try to do at least a mile or two a day. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I've, I've actually, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm so bored with it now that I've, I've, I'm starting to count up how many marathons I've actually walked <laughs> 26.2 miles. So I, 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 I uh, I look like an elite athlete. No, I don't. But at this point, I feel I feel like one at this point. But but I, I mean, and I know I know you're not a doctor, but as a as a public health 
uh, officer and a person in charge of, of you know, worry, worrying about and thinking about other people's health right now during COVID-19, um, you know, when can I get out? Because <laughs> I feel like I am, I, I mean, this is on day 100 here and you know, and, and listen, there have been a lot of good things for me. It's given me time to think. I think that's true for everybody listening to this who's, who've been home. For the people that have had to stock grocery shelves and drive buses and all of God bless all of you uh, for risking your lives for the rest of us. Um, but I, um, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've started writing my next movie. I'm doing the podcast. I released a friend's uh, film. So, I've been, I mean, I've been busy. But I'm, I'm, uh, and and I now know that I would, be, I would do very, very well under house arrest. <laughs> what hope can you give me? And when, when can I leave? Yeah, we, we've got similar issues here. I've been on max telework now, which means I work completely from home, which is a hundred percent different from being in the office and with all my coworkers. And so uh, I have to do what I can for good self-care and that's vital for you as well. So, you know, and I hear you're doing what you can for yourself while you're isolated. If you um, want to go out, I think you would be okay. And I, what I would advise for you because you've got compromised lungs potentially and you're at a higher, in a higher risk category is that you find some way to find a more protective face cover not an N95 because those go to healthcare providers and first responders. Right, right. Essentially like a Korean N95. Those are called KN95s. And you can wear one of those in public. And I, you know, it's much safer to be in public um, when you have something like that on and you can maintain social distance. And I hear what you're saying about the streets in New York being empty. This is a probably a really good time for you to get out and take a walk around the block for instance, as long as you've got your protective face covering. If you want to go a step further, I recommend a face shield as well as the KN95 mask. And so what that does is protect your, your other mucous membranes, your eyes and things. It, it protects you from touching them and it protects, you know, in case somebody comes up and, and wants to have a conversation with you, it protects you from their yeah. droplets if they're not wearing a face covering. Like I've always thought the eyes were very vulnerable in this, in the, in the sense that for something to go into your mouth, your mouth has to be open or you have to put your fingers in your mouth or to go up your nose. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, you gotta, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how airflow works, but it has to go down and then up in the nose, but the eyeballs are right there. They're just right there and, and, and open. And we touch them um, a lot, right? We scratch them. And- and we do talk, of course. Yes, yes, exactly. But you, so you think it's okay? You think that if I took the proper precautions and just, you know, like I'd love to walk over to Central Park and just, yes, just breathe, yes. you know, and, uh, yes. um, and, you know, when can I go home? When can I go, when can I go back to Michigan? When can I, get in the car? I mean, I can't, I can't drive through Canada, which is the easiest way to just go through Buffalo or Niagara Falls and then go into Michigan that way. But but the borders are still closed. So, um, so I don't know. I don't want to fly. I don't want to fly. Right. I don't Uh, advise that either. Right. You agree with that. Yeah. So I could, I could, I could rent a car, wipe it all down. Um, and you know, Traverse city hours on the road from here is probably about 12 to 15 hours. I'm guessing. 
Um, so it means I've got to, I should, I need to bring some food. I've tried to think this whole thing out, like escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Um, so your, actually there's a movie escape from New York. <laughs> exactly. And keep your air but, on recirculate. Right. So if I go out for a walk today or tomorrow, walk over to the park, stay away from people, uh, use the protection that you suggested, you know, I'm not going to end up five weeks from now, six feet under and, and, uh, you know, because people will have heard this podcast and you know who they're going to come after. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just, I do. I'm, just trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to protect you at this point here. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. This is a, there's a rabid fan base of this podcast. I think you should see how you feel. So your mental health is worth a lot. And if yes. you're out there and you feel insecure, you feel concerned at all, then it's not worth it. But if you get out there and you feel like, oh, this is what I needed and wanted, and um, this is really good for my mental health, then I would keep doing it and take all the precautions. The Let me just ask you before we wind up here. What, 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 so you, you before you went into lockdown, uh, you were uh, traveling around the country. You were helping set up these, um, um, I don't know what they're, I called the mobile hospitals, but, but essentially facilities uh, that could take the overload of cases of people that were coming in because of the pandemic. Um, what did you see? Because most of us haven't traveled the country in the last, you know, uh, four months or so. Um, what, 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 what can you tell us of, that what you saw of, of our of our wonderful country? So I actually wasn't the one on the ground. It was our engineers who go out and assess the sites to to make sure that they're appropriate for what we were looking to build. So what did you hear? What did you hear back then from people? Well, several of our folks ended up getting sick. Um, we weren't sure back then how best to protect our employees. Um, so a couple of them did get COVID, um, but they reported nothing but um, the interest to help, right? People really wanted to, to help set up these mobile units and make sure we had space for people who needed it in, in the hospitals. And um so the last time I traveled, actually, I was in Kansas City at our district there, and I went into one of our hydropower plants to do an assessment. And one of the one of the employees, actually, and this was like early March, this is the first week of March. He said, what are you doing here? You know, at that time, we really didn't have an indication of what we were up against or how far it had already spread. And so that was kind of my first clue that, OK, I need to stop all travel. I need to cancel the rest of my assessments, which I did. They're now scheduled for late fall. And, and then I was um, virtually deployed by my agency to make sure the employees on the front lines uh, were had the most uh, protective equipment they could have, given what we knew at the time when they went out to assess these sites. So that was my role in this. But you took it seriously from the beginning. Oh, I mean, even sure. though people were wondering, why are you here? Yes. You knew why you were there. Yeah. Yes. You said a number of people working for, for, for the Army Corps of Engineers or... Um, you know, on your health team, got sick, got the, got the virus. Did 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 uh, did they all live? I mean, they did anybody? Did. Yeah. Away? Oh, that's good. Yep, yep, they're doing just fine. Well, that's good. So, yeah, no, there's um in New York here, the Javits Center, the, which is the big convention center in New York. Yep. Um was turned was turned into one of these uh, these field hospitals. Yes. Um, did your team or anybody have anything to do with that or? 
That was the North Atlantic Division that's headquartered right there in New York City. So they did that. Yeah. And, what, and you're in what what division are you in? The Northwestern Division. So the Northwestern Divisions in the Army Corps of Engineers and FEMA FEMA tasked us with these mission assignments, what we call MAs, to go and and visit these sites. So they gave us the money to do that. So it was working collaboratively collaboratively with FEMA and then with state and local governments to get these facilities up and running. Boy, I tell you, you all did this very fast. It was yeah. amazing. It's what we do. Uh, We're the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think the one in Javits Center was up in like less than five days, I think. It was like, yeah. it was amazing how fast that went up. And uh, yeah, I know I've always, I've always had such great respect for the Army Corps of Engineers. And, and, and as I've traveled the country and you hear of the different projects and the different environmental things and the different things that the Army Corps does uh, to, to, to help. And, um, and, and I have felt, you and I, being from Flint, that uh, since this, the water emergency crisis catastrophe started in Flint, now this would be, geez, how many years is it now? Five, six years that I, I just kept saying somebody calling the Army Corps of Engineers d- dig up these pipes that are are now poisoned because of the lead yes. poisoning and and replace them with new pipes. I, am I was I crazy to suggest that or is that something that the Army Corps of Engineers can do or uh, it, it's because it seems like now you you all can do anything. So um I, I don't know. I, and I still think it's a good idea because it's the water still isn't, isn't right in Flint. Right. No, I think it's, it's, it is a good idea. It's just going to take a lot of time and resources, money. Right. And so what we do in the, in the Corps of Engineers is we actually consult or, you know, we hire, we hire contractors. So we oversee the contracts, the people who would actually be doing that work. And it would take, you know, probably a, the state to come to the Army Corps of Engineers and ask for help with that. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that the resources are available for that kind of an effort. Right now. For, um, for right now, especially, right. right? Yeah. I would hope that, that there's some emphasis placed there because this is a lifelong problem. When you poison a child with lead, the effects last a lifetime, unfortunately. I know that I've tried to tell people this. I said, there's no medicine you can take no. to, to make it better. There's, it's, it's a permanent life sentence when you poison a child with lead especially under the age of six. Yeah. And uh, so, so for these six years, all these kids that were under six and now some of those are now 12 years old and they're seeing all the problems and Dr. Mona there in Flint and everybody has had to, 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 to step in and, and try to help just the behavioral issues from their brain. Having, first of all, their IQ, everybody's IQ with lead goes down 10, 20 more percent. And, and then all these other issues, it's just so sad. I'm, I'm sorry, to, I didn't mean to bring this up, but I I, it, uh, it, I just started thinking, well, you're, you're in the Army Corps of Engineers, and um, I, I, I know you don't run the Army Corps of Engineers. No. But- you know, they did help with those Midland dams. We did consult on that. Yes. So Yes, the flooding uh, yep. last month. Yep. Yes. Yep. Right. Oh, that was that was horrific. That was something. Yes. Um, well, Anne Craig... Um, of Portland, Oregon, originally from uh, Flint, Michigan. I am so happy and proud that you are, uh, and I should say were now the five millionth uh, listener. Um, we're we've, we we're on, we're on our way to twelve million uh, right now. Wow. 
that's how long it took us to track you down. Wow. So, so we're going to have our, our 10 millionth uh, listener uh, on here uh, shortly. Um, but I just, um, you know, the, t- today also, in addition to being my 100th day inside, it's also the six month anniversary of this podcast. We started Rumble six months ago today on December 17th. And, um, and so uh, here we are um, uh, six months later and we got to talk to you. And, uh, and, and, and the fact that this was the very first podcast you'd ever listened to on that particular day that you became 5 million, um, is, uh, makes it even sweeter. So, um, any final words you want to, uh, add here, uh, be, before we head on to number to our 10 millionth listener? Yeah, no, I just want to say congratulations and thank you. I can't thank you enough for the work that you do and the hope that you bring and the awareness that you bring. I, um, I love your stuff and I will continue to listen. Um, You've done several interviews that have made me cry and made me laugh. And for that, I really appreciate just exactly what you do. So, so don't stop doing what you're doing. And I'm hoping to meet you someday. You mentioned it'd be a possibility that I get to fly to New York and I hope that we get to do that. Oh, it's not a possibility. I, 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 yes, I forgot to mention this. Uh, You are going to get uh, uh, a, a trip to New York. Uh, out of this, we were just forced to remove that prize sure. during the uh, pandemic. Um, but uh, no, that is that is uh, definitely on, and um, uh, I look forward uh, to meeting you, uh, whether it's here in New York or in Michigan. I don't know if you ever get back there, um, but uh, I, I I'm grateful for you and and all the others who do listen to this. And those are kind words uh, from you, and I I do uh, appreciate them. And um, it's uh, this has been a wonderful way to celebrate the six month anniversary of this uh, podcast. Uh, speaking with you, and and thank you for being part of the Army Corps of Engineers, and and for being a public health officer, and for making everyone in Michigan happy by getting degrees from both from both the University <laughs> of Michigan and Michigan State. So no, nobody from Michigan hated you during this podcast. Uh, they all loved you. And your parents went to Central Michigan University. So you've got every base covered with Michigan. Um, and that's dumb. <laughs> No, but I mean, seriously, thank you for your work with the Army Corps of Engineers and to all the other people with the Army Corps of Engineers during this during this pandemic. Um, it's greatly appreciated. It will not be forgotten by the American public. And uh, and, uh, and thank you again yeah. for coming on, on Rumble here with me. Thank you very much, Michael. Okay, Anne. That's Anne Crake from Portland, Oregon, originally of Flint, Michigan. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. Wow, that was that was uh, an incredible uh, conversation um, with a fellow a fellow Flintoid, um, Anne Craig. I, I I think that um, um, Basil's just texting me here. She's she's texting him right now. She wants to point out to everybody listening uh, that her advice to me to go out and go for a walk with all the proper gear and everything that I should only do what my doctor recommends. She's not a, a not a physician, and uh, and so and that goes for everybody who's listening. Uh, do what your doctor says is best, and do what your own. You know, you know your bodies. You know, you know whether or not you should be inside or outside or around people or not around people or 
whatever. We all know we should be wearing the protective gear and washing our hands and not touching our faces. That's we all know that. But no, thank you, thank you, Anne, for uh, uh, for reminding us. Yes, of course, uh, follow your doctor's uh, orders. But I'll tell you, anytime I'm told to do something by the Army Corps of Engineers, I'm right there. So um, I might just I might just take that walk <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Mental health is everything, folks. Um, okay, we're going to go on now to our two. Uh, our, we had a tie for our 10 millionth listener. Um, and, uh, this just happened a, a couple of weeks ago, I believe, because I know where, where are we at? We're, we're almost, we're, we're over 11 and a half million right now. Right. So this was, yeah, this was a couple of weeks ago. So, um, so the first, first one we have up here, ready to, ready to talk, um, is Mr. Rob Messick and he, uh, is from New Jersey and, um, and if we're ready to go, let's, uh, let's just, uh, jump right in here, uh, to talk to a rumble listener, our 10 millionth listener, co 10 millionth listener, uh, Mr. Rob Messick from New Jersey. And, uh, congratulations for being our number 10 million here on rumble. Thank you. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. And, uh, so where am I talking to you from? Uh, um, I've got you on, on the phone here. Where, where are you? I'm in Washington Township, which is in southern New Jersey. Washington Township. Now, uh, give me an idea. I'm, I'm I'm not from this area, but I've I've been here enough, so I sort of know New Jersey. Where where exactly is this? I am 15 minutes east of Philadelphia, and about 40 minutes west of Atlantic City. Oh, okay. Oh, right. All right. So I know right where you're at. So you're on that on the main drag there from Philly to Atlantic City. Exactly. Okay, great. Um, and now, so so, what what do you what do you do in, in, down there in Southern uh, New Jersey? I'm a UPS driver. I've been with UPS for 25 years. Wow, a UPS driver. So, are you working right now during the pandemic? Yes, you are, are. Oh, geez, we are working hard. We are working. Some people are working six days a week. We are doing <sighs> ten to twelve hour days. Jeez, it's like Christmas the past three months. <sighs> Okay, yeah, Christmas and Christmas for you guys, not the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, it's uh, we call it peak season. Yeah. So listen, so that oh, well, first of all, let me just say thank you um on behalf of everybody who's been living off getting packages delivered, people, um, you know, like myself, I've been in my own kind of self quarantine. Uh this is this is actually day 100. Wow. For me, no, I have not been out in a hundred days. Fortunately, I have a little tiny deck off my apartment here, uh, so I, I I go out there for sun and fresh air. And yeah, and, I was a little worried about you being stuck in that apartment. No, no, and it's <laughs> it's uh, and I and I I used to like brag to people like the apartment's on top of a movie theater, but the movie theaters have been closed since the beginning of March, so I can't even go downstairs to a movie. Uh, but, uh, no, I get out and I, 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 have explained this to people. I've, I've been able, the, the deck is only like maybe three or four feet wide, but it's, it's narrow. So I've got to, I can walk you know, like back and forth and, and, um, I've marked off like how many times I'd have to go for a mile. And then and now I'm, I think I'm in my second or I'm actually, I'm in my, I'm probably, yes, I've, I've, I've done my second marathon. So now <laughs> I'm in my third, my third, uh, 26.2 miles of, of, of walking. I must look like a crazy man to the neighbors, um, out there just walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But, but you are walking back and forth, actually lifting boxes. Uh, some of them pretty heavy. I mean, you're, 
I hope you know this, you're considered one of the frontline workers that kept us all you know, going here. I mean, we couldn't function, I don't know, the, these days. And I, I, I hope you receive that gratitude from the people you're delivering the boxes to, because um, for people who can't get out, you're the, you're the lifeline. And, uh, and it's much, much appreciate, appreciated. And also, I think, um, you know, I don't need to tell you this. I'm sure your family members and friends have said this, but, you know, you are risking, you are risking your health and you're risking your life uh, to do this job. Yeah, that it really worried me in the beginning, especially because um, I do see so many people and I do deliver to hospitals and dentist offices and regular doctor mm, offices. Mm. So it was scary. And, you know, uh, it took a week or two, but UPS did give us, you know, the proper materials to, you know, the mask and the gloves and they made that available to us. Um, right. Yeah, so, you are, yeah. so, you're, so you're wearing a mask, you're wearing gloves. Do you have a, do you have an eye shield or anything to protect your eyes? No. Goggles, anything like that. Glasses. No. So, so, uh, but, but hands and face, face mask. Um, what else, what else do you do for your protection? We aren't getting signatures right now. So if we walk into a business, we wave to the people we know, we're like, yeah. here's your package. And then we, yeah. we sign it COVID and then the person's name. So right. we are practicing social distancing. Um, have you gotten sick during this time? No, fortunately. Do you know anybody who has? No, we're, we're pretty good in our building. Wow. So, so, so you're at least at your distribution center, uh, none of the, um, uh, the UPS workers have come down with COVID-19. Maybe we're in a very large building and there's easily a, a thousand people that work there throughout mm-hmm. the shifts of the day. Mm. And I've heard of one or two people have gotten it, but they seem to be, I've heard they're okay, but I don't personally know anyone. Right. And nobody's died. Correct. So we've been fortunate. Well, that's very fortunate. Yes. Because New Jersey, as you know along with uh, the state of New York are the two highest states in the country with the most uh, cases and the most deaths. Um, yeah. So why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I don't have the answer. I don't know. I mean, I guess I can kind of guess about New York because so many people from around the world come in and out. And in those early weeks, lots of people flying from other countries or whatever. Um, and but, North Jersey uh, there below New York is, yeah. is almost as crowded. So I think and that's almost, where a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. But down in southern New Jersey, not so not so dense, not so packed down. Correct. Yeah, it's not quite as bad down here. Right. And and have you noticed a difference in the in the packages or what people are shipping to each other or what people are ordering? Uh, uh, you mentioned it was like Christmas, but I'm I'm guessing uh, people aren't getting PlayStations and and uh, dolls and other things right uh, now. You would be wrong there. I would be it's, wrong. <laughs> it's uh, you know, when they're home. People are going a little crazy. At first, we did see oh, right. know, more of course, groceries shopping, and shopping makes you Right, but shopping makes you feel better, right? But then it's so. gazebos and trampolines and, oh know, my I guess, God. things to entertain their kids, you know, while they're yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you've so you've heard of a gazebo being delivered? We, yes. A I personally tramp- delivered gazebos. <laughs> you personally. How, how do you fit the, the gazebo? In the back of the truck. What, it's, how does it's that? A, well, it's not built already. It's in a okay, box. So it's not, yeah, it's in a box. So they have to build it. Yes, but it's a very heavy box. It must be a very heavy box. You don't, you don't, you don't stick around and help them build it. I, I do not. Right. <laughs> Although they often ask me. No, really? They, it's a joke. It's always. Oh, okay. You hear the same they're, they're joke kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, especially anything. If it says IKEA on the box, you want to run away as as fast as possible. You know, yes. just because that will that'll be the end of your week right there. So, <laughs> so how heavy is a gazebo box, or do you have a limit? Is there a rule as to how much you can lift when you take it from the truck to the yes. house? Uh, we're not supposed to lift things over one hundred and fifty. That's the UPS limit. You, you mean one hundred and fifty pounds? Yes, that's our that's our limit that we take in. Okay, dude, I have I haven't been able to bench press more than one hundred and twenty. So we we do have a dolly, we do have a handcart. Okay, but that helps some, but you know they 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 get heavy. Yes. Wow. Um, what do you do to prevent injuries uh, in a case like that where you're having to lift a, a box that's one hundred and fifty pounds? Well, you, you got to work smart. I mean, most of us do stretches in the morning, um, so you got to be ready to go. And you, you know, you push it towards the end of the truck and you try to slide it down onto the handcart. You got to work right. smart. You slide it, get it on the handcart. Sometimes you have to strap it in just in case. Uh, no, but we're, no. we're, we can balance it pretty easily. The handcart's very sturdy. Right. And you understand the laws of physics and yeah. the, the angle and all. Yes, of course. <laughs> and gravity. So you get it up to the house. Now the house has steps before you can get up to the front door. Now what? Depends on how many steps. If it's a third floor apartment then you're just doing one step at a time. If it's just a house, you know, you can slide it up. Yeah. I was thinking a house. So you actually go into apartment buildings and go up like three floors with something like that. Yes. Holy smokes. (laughs) Jeez, man. Um, so what's your investment in Bengay or icy hot? What is, (laughs) you know what, uh, if you stay uh, well hydrated, you're pretty much good. And what does the hydration have to do with it? You drink a lot of water and it keeps your, it just keeps you going. It keeps your muscles uh, ready. Yeah. More flexible. They've got yeah. more fluid. They're not going to tense up yeah. and, and get tight. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Wow. What's, what's like, what's the craziest thing that you've delivered, especially during this, these last three or four months? I, I mean, we're not crazy, but just what's, what's maybe the oddest or, um, you know. You know what? It was a 10,000 bees in a little box. 10,000 bees in a box. It was no bigger than a lunchbox. And the woman was like, oh, that's my 10,000 bees. Oh, and I was God. so thankful it didn't open. What What if you've been in the truck and that thing had accidentally opened? Yeah, that's a, that's a scary thought. <laughs> so what, is, what does she want 10,000 bees for? She wants to start making her own honey. Right. Isn't there like a shortage of bees right now? Aren't we like missing a bunch of bees in the world? Like, I don't know, I read that somewhere. Like millions of bees are no longer with us. Yeah, a colony collapse, right? Isn't that what they call it? Yeah, 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 right, right. Well, hopefully hopefully she'll do some good with that. What else? What else? Anything else that uh, that struck your fancy there where you just thought, hmm, okay, I'm going to mark that on my bucket list. <laughs> Get that someday. Yeah, it's it's every once in a while you, you see the the adult entertainment boxes and they're always kind of funny because they're clearly marked. And I think I'm a little. I'm, I don't think I understand by adult entertainment. You mean toys? You see, they they the names oh, of the whatever the items are. Oh, are I see. The, and that's funny. That's Sexually the, oriented materials. Yeah, that are yeah, also funny. It's yeah, it's funny to us because yeah, right. you know the person comes out to get the package and they get all embarrassed, and we don't. Yeah, yeah we don't. Because they, they were probably told in the advertisement that everything is completely it's, confidential. It's it comes in a in a plain brown yeah, box, yeah. right? And then, and there, there you are, you know, holding somebody's uh, sex toy. Right, right. All right. Well, that's uh, that's worth a selfie at least, right? I mean, uh, 
I don't know. Um, so UPS, are, are you, you, you guys are union, right? You have a union. Yeah. Thank, and, thank uh, goodness. Thing. Yes. We what, need what more you, unions. We need, yes. What, what, what union uh, do you belong to? It's the Teamsters. The Teamsters. Yeah. Well, they're great. Uh, James Hoffa Jr. Um, one of our, I think one of our best union leaders right now, but there, we need more, we need more unions. Like you yeah. said, how it, do we do, the, how do we do that? Good question. I'm dying for the Teamsters to get into Amazon. Oh, right. You know? That right. Because unions are great equalizers. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, man, woman. We're all overworked. Right. I remember you saying that about uh, about one of the uh, the GM unions, right? Didn't you say they integrated the workforce back to the 50s? Very early on. I think even in the 40s they started it. The UAW did. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, long, long before the rest of society, they just said that it was wrong that uh, black workers were down in the foundry and in the furnaces and the, the worst of the worst jobs. And they said, we have to share this. Everybody has to take their turn. And, and you know, sometimes you get the easier job on the assembly line and sometimes you don't. Uh, but it's you're not stuck with that the rest of your life just simply because of your skin color. Right. Um, so. So that's a, yes, that's a, that's a good thing. How's it been going like during the, during the protests and, and since, um, uh, the, the murder of, of, of George Floyd. And I mean, we're in a really tumultuous uh, time right now. And I'm just curious, um, you're driving truck and you're, you know, you're everywhere. You're in this neighborhood, that neighborhood, whatever. Um, you know, just what's the vibe, what's the vibe out there? And I'm, I'm asking that because I have literally have not been outside. So I, I watch it on TV, but you've been outside, you've been around people. Yeah. Um, the vibe's not bad. The, the, the protests that I've seen have been very peaceful. I've seen them on street corners. I beep at them, you know, I wave at them, you know, I see a lot of young people there. Um, they had a parade in my town on Saturday mm. and everything's very peaceful. So I'm hoping, you know, their point gets across. I'm hoping, you know, people start to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I think that's happening. I saw a poll today that said almost 75% of the American people support the demonstrations. 75%. I was like, wow. You know, I also saw on the news over the weekend, in Franklin Township, New Jersey. I don't know where that uh, is. It's called Franklinville. Franklinville. It's, it's you, 10 you know minutes away from me. Oh my God, 10 minutes from you. So do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? What happened I there? 100% know what you're talking about. Will you it explain is. this to the people? Cause, cause I saw it on TV that kids were having a parade, a demonstration, yes. you know, very peaceful yeah. going down one of the streets there in, in Franklinville. And LC drive. It's called, it's a major road. It was a major road. Okay. It actually goes right to the shore. That was the oh. old road before the highways came in. Everyone would take Delcy drive. Oh, okay. So tell people what happened as these, so these young people and some parents and kids, very, very peaceful, very middle American, just going down the road uh, with their signs. And then they pass by somebody's yard. Yeah. I think there were three guys out front. Three guys were reenacting the murder. Three white guys were reenacting yes. the murder of George Floyd, literally with one of the guy's knee on the guy's neck. And the other guy shouting at the demonstrators, uh, like mocking them or do, or just like, you know, look at this. And they, and they, they wanted to show these young people. And I, there was one mother with her little kids and she was trying to shield their eyes from watching these grown men yeah. re, reenact the murder with, with smiles on their faces. Uh, unbelievable. It's atrocious. It's, it's embarrassing. I, I had heard that the one person was fired and the other person worked actually for the 
I think the local jail down there and he got put on suspension, mm. but I kind of worry that they're going to rehire him because maybe they like people like that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, it's, it's what, disgusting. What does that say about, I mean, I'm sure you don't want people to think of Southern New Jersey. I mean, it's, it's, it's been year. It took years for Americans to, when they think of Southern New Jersey, the Jersey shore to not think of the situation. And <laughs> <laughs> that house, the Jersey shore house. And now this, can you say a few good words about, about Southern New Jersey for people that are listening to this? I love Southern New Jersey. It is beautiful. We got lakes and rivers and forests. We have the Pine Barrens. And most of the people I know are fantastic. The people I deliver to are fantastic. Right. But, you know, some people, I think just some people have been poisoned by the news, especially things like Fox News. Mm. And it made them into people who maybe they weren't. You know, it made them angry about things that they have no idea that they should be angry about. Right. You know? Yeah. It's turned it's, people. It's sad. It's very sad. But they don't seem to be the majority anymore. No. I mean, no, they are not. The, and it's the, funny because in New Jersey, you always know somebody who knows somebody who worked for Donald Trump or got ripped off by Donald Trump. So though there are supporters here, like anywhere, you got a lot of people who kind of don't like them because they know somebody you know, who had some experience with them. Right. Right. So how come, what happened to you and I? We're, we're just, uh, we're two white guys from the working class. What, you know, what, uh, how come we didn't end up as Trump voters? What's the, what's the deal there? Right. Because two thirds of all white men voted for Trump in 16. And I try to explain this to people, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, for me, I'm always thinking about the future and I'm thinking about my daughters. I have two beautiful daughters named Lila and Callie. And I think like the world I want them to live in doesn't have racism. I didn't even know what racism was until I was in third grade when they taught us about Martin Luther King. Mm. And it blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? They're the same. Like what? Mm. You know, it just didn't make sense to me. So that's the way I was raised. I was raised to not even notice a difference. Wow. What what did your parents do? Uh, My dad was a truck driver as well. And my mother is still a nurse. Mm. Why? She been working during this time? We're fortunate she she did have an injury, which kept her out of work yeah. during this time. So, what's, what's son before this would ever have said? Fortunately, she had an injury. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she didn't have to go to work. Yeah. So we're lucky because her work, I know they had, I think out of like 150 people there, 100 people ended up having it. Wow. But it's, a, it's an elderly uh, care facility. Oh, the worst so, now. Yeah. People dying. Yes. Wow. 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 So that's how you were raised by your mom and dad uh, yes. to not hate people because they happen to be different uh, from you. Uh, was it, was your dad a union member too? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was a teamster as well. Yeah. Wow. So um, one of the things I hope after this pandemic, like I think a lot of people have been kind of their eyes have been opened on the issue of race. That wasn't an intended thing, but that was already happening in terms of the number of black and Hispanic people that were dying with the pandemic uh, versus white people. But, but also all these other things we've been shown that, you know, our healthcare system is in huge trouble. And, um, and the things that we, I wish we had that other countries have in terms of, you know, paid family leave or childcare or things like this that would just, make our lives so much easier when we're in a situation like this. 
I have a job that has great benefits. Teamsters fought hard for it. But if they told me, you know, next year that we're going for universal health care, I'd be right there. Because I, I hate the idea of a future where, again, my daughters, you know, what if they get trapped into a job they don't like because they're, that's where they got to get their health care? You know, we need something better. We need, because at 65, we're all going to get put on Medicaid anyway. So why not right. we, you know, get it right now? Let's get it going. Let's fix it. Yes. Let's get it. Let's get it. I hate the idea that anybody would have to like, I, and how many times have we heard this from people in our lifetime that they, they're only staying in the job that they hate because of the benefits, you yeah. know? And, and if those benefits, like in all, all other democracies essentially are guaranteed, you know, whether it's healthcare, or, you know, childcare, elderly care, all that stuff. Um, once you're guaranteed that, and you could just go and look for the job that would make you happy, We'd all be better off. We'd all be better off simply, simply just because we'd be happier, you know, and not just, you know, imprisoned by, oh, I can't give this up because the, the health benefits are so good. Well, You're right. Sh- it, yes, it should be already good. It should be a right. You UPS know? has a huge army of part-time workers. They load trucks, unload trucks. You remember, you, you had an episode where you yeah. went to, to UPS to say, why are you making more full-time jobs? Oh, right. So you, you, this is back on my TV show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, great episode. Right. <laughs> I was, I was a kid then and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why aren't we full time? Right. Back then I was. And no. those part timers, whether they're people who own their own businesses, like landscapers, they're artists, they're painters. And you know, they got to get up at four in the morning, go to work, you know, when they should be home creating, but they need right. the benefits. You know, UPS does give benefits to part timers. Well, that's good. That doesn't happen great. in a lot of cases. And in fact, you know, when the General Motors and Chrysler, which had to be taken over by the government during the bankruptcy, and when they Obama gave them back to the companies, uh, to the shareholders, and immediately they went into a two-tier system. So say somebody like you, you've been there at, at UPS for 25 years, you're at the good pay you know, level, but anybody new hiring in had to start working for 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour. And, um, and it was just another way to try and crash out the union, but from the, from the other end of it, uh, it just, it, it, it's all wrong. As far as I'm concerned, it just, I'm for fairness. I'm for everybody having a seat at the table and getting a slice of the pie. And, uh, you know, I don't have to make what the next person's making. There are people that make more than me. There are people who make less than me, but, but everybody should have a slice of the pie that is a decent slice that they can live on, put a roof over their head. Um, you know, and our kids' schools, right, including college, the, the tuition is now free here in the state of New York, but it should be that way. When I was growing up, Rob, I mean, University of Michigan, Michigan State, you know, I don't know what it was, 500 a year, right. <laughs> thousand, thousand a year. Out in California, the UC system, Berkeley, all that, UCLA, free. It's free. You pay, you, pay, you pay for your books, you know. I just, I don't know. If you, I've had a lot of time sitting around thinking of ideas of what we need to do once we're out of this pandemic, but you've been driving around and doing, you know, you must have had some time, like thoughts, things going through your head thinking, you know, we could, we could do this differently and we could be better, better as a people. You know, I'm just curious in these three or four months, you know, what, what has gone through your head where you've thought, you know what? There is a there is a better way for us to live, to be as a society, as a country, um, and maybe it's even the smallest idea. I'm just curious if if uh, 
if you've had any of those thoughts going through your head or have you mostly kept your eyes on the road? <laughs> well, yeah, always keeping your eyes on the road. Yes, yes. Uh, people don't notice the big brown truck coming down the street sometimes. So you got to be, you got to yes. watch out for everyone. Right. But I'm, I'm so progressive in every, in every facet of my thoughts as far as, you know, like you said, with the college, I have two daughters and I'm praying that Biden fulfills that at least at a state level, colleges should be free. Yes. You know, yes. Something. Um, and like we already talked about the healthcare, you know, we, it's all these things, you know, it's, it's helping, even though the post office is our competitor, you know, we still need them to thrive because UPS doesn't want to take on all that work. I mean, the corporate people do, but us workers don't. No, we want the post you know, office to survive. Yeah. And it's, you know what? Like, like you were saying, mail-in ballots, so important. We have them here in New Jersey. You right. can sign up for it. It's fantastic. Same in Michigan. I just, yeah. I just got my primary ones in the mail yesterday. So easy. So yeah. I'll still be filling in Bernie, though. So uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, people, if, those delegates. Yes, he needs the delegates. He's made it clear. I mean, he's been very good with Biden and, you know, making sure we get rid of Trump. But but uh, he needs those delegates at the convention so yeah. we can get the platform that we I'm want. Sp- I'm spreading the word. Believe me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and don't worry, you're not going to hurt Biden by doing it. You're not going to not going to give Trump <laughs> the election. Just it's it's we we need a progressive uh platform and and we need I I don't know, you know, I don't know if when you were listening to this, when you became the 10 millionth listener to the to Rumble here, um had you listened to it before? Had you been listening to it? Uh, uh, yeah, I I got on right away. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, um, so then you've, you've listened to me talk about, uh, I really try to hang on to some optimism here, even, even with, especially with Biden, that, uh, that he's brought Bernie into the process. They've formed these task forces to work on the platform. And there's, I know a lot of the, a lot of the Bernie people are involved in this. And, um, and I think Biden is open to, you know, he's very old school in his thinking and not quite in the year 2020. But as you said, he, he said that public uh, public school tuition, secondary, post-secondary college uh, should be free. Um, yeah. He wants to lower the Medicare age from 65 to 60, which, you know, it's a I, step. I, it's a step. And I, I, I sent him a note saying, uh, you know, you already had that demographic tied up, Joe. <laughs> the 60 to 65 year olds you need to say something like you know how you're on your parents uh, health insurance till you're 26 well i'm not going to do this to your parents till you're 36 but i'm going to i'm going to start we're going to start we're going to lower medicare 5 10 years on one end and we're going to up it from 26 up to 36 or 40 on the other end cuz that's when you're making the least amount of money anyways in your in your youth that's and, true and at some point here very soon will come together and everybody will be covered. Yeah, something like that. I don't I don't know. It, it's just uh but I I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that that he sees that and um and and cuz I, I I say that not just because I I I know that people you've got to give people a reason to come out and vote and I know a lot of people think oh look it's enough of a reason that Trump is the worst thing uh you know since Benedict Arnold. Um, but that really doesn't always work for everybody. And, no. uh, they need a positive reason, not just a hate reason, but a positive reason to come out and get excited. Uh, you know, I'm the way that, you know, at least the way I was when I voted for Obama there in the, in the first time he ran that morning, getting up and voting and, oh man, I couldn't wait to get to the polls. 
we need people to feel that way on November 3rd or before that, if you're mailing in uh, yeah, to get, ex- to get excited. He does. He does got to get the excitement up. I, I'm happy that there's no hate against him that I really see, you know, there's no vitriol like I saw for Hillary, you know? Right. Yes. So that's true. So that's, that's a plus. That's a plus. So, but he, he does need to give us more hope. He, he does need to really be and, out there and he's got what, it. what, and he has what to kind ins- of future. Yeah. Sorry. And he has to, no, no, and I, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I was just going to say he has to inspire the uninspired. Yeah. And then let me tell you, there's millions of people who are in despair and who are uninspired. And I'm hoping that that he can do that. Um, but um, anyways, I, I just I, I'm I just wanted to call you and congratulate you for being our, our 10 millionth listener. We're we're already over 11 million now. Uh, it's, it's gone so fast in these last. Uh, a uh, few weeks, um, but everybody's awareness, I think, is heightened to, in terms of what's going on politically and socially, and and uh, um, you know, and I'm I'm glad you were. I mean, of all the people, you were number ten million, and uh, and uh, yeah, so our executive producer Basil, I think, got a hold of you and uh, to give you the good news. And um, now, you know, for the for the five millionth uh, winner. Um, they got a trip to New York, wow. a, tri- a trip to New York for you. <laughs> it's an hour drive. Woo. It's, it's, yeah. Get on the Amtrak, yeah. uh, New Jersey transit. Uh, right. so, so we will have a, a separate prize for you, uh, that, that will, will be, um, will be, uh, uh, something, uh, that you'll be pleased to have. We'll, 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 uh, we, we didn't figure that we didn't know our, the winner would be just outside of New York here in New Jersey. So we'll come up with something, something good. This is where you're supposed to say, yes. Uh, you mean the flight to Fiji that you're going to pay for Mike? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, I don't know about that. copy of a uh, Canadian bacon is in the mail, right? Oh, that's easy for me to do. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would love uh, to do that. Did you say to Basil or something? Did you do when you, when he contacted you something? You quoted Canadian Bacon. Yeah, yeah. The, the I watched that movie with my dad uh, years ago. We were always fans of John Candy. Yeah. And the line where he's in the at the hockey game and he's like, "At another thing, their beer sucks." Yeah. And everyone <laughs> stops and stares. I still quote that line. I just, I just always found that so funny. Yeah, he's at, he's an American from Niagara Falls, yeah. New York, and he goes to a hockey game in Niagara Falls, Canada, and yes, and the whole crowd overhears him saying that the Canadian beer sucks, and it literally starts a riot because it's, it's, it's hard to get the Canadians to riot. You know, they're just they're very peaceful people, except when they're playing hockey. Yeah, and yeah. so you can't if in a hockey if you say it in a hockey arena, you've offended you've offended the Canadians and. <laughs> And those are fighting words because they love their beer. They yeah. love their beer. So, uh, well, th- thanks for being a fan of Canadian bacon. Thanks for being a fan of Rumble uh, here. And um, let's uh, stay in touch, and uh, we'll we'll send you your prize. And um, um, you know, thanks again for the risk you're taking right now, delivering uh, packages to people's homes. It's uh, thanks, like I, I appreciate, it. and thanks, uh, you know. This podcast has been great. I mean, what do you have? Did you say 92 episodes in yes. six months? Yes, I That's know. A great output. I was only going to do it once a week. It just, so much started happening. I couldn't stop. And I, uh, you know, with the ups and downs of the Bernie race, I was like, I was like, every day I'm like, come on, Michael, what do you got to say? What do you got to say? Like, I was so into it. But then the whole world's turned to crap since then. And I'm, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're there, you know, giving us the news and telling us and the people you know. You know, the guy from the insurance company, that was a great episode. Like, oh, you know, wow. 
What a revelation, huh? Yeah. A wow. v- VP of Cigna, former VP, telling the truth about what these health insurance companies are really up to. Well, well I'm glad yeah. they're prepared because, yeah. you know, we'll get that universal health care one day. That's right. That is absolutely right. I think we're going to get some good things post-pandemic here. I really believe that people have had enough now. And and I hear this more often than anything else. I don't want to go back to the old normal. Yeah. You know? That we want normalcy in our lives, but we don't want to go back to all of that, which wasn't good for us. Yeah, hear, this is a great time. It's a great time. That. It's a great moment to do it. And um, um, thank you, my union brother, for every, <laughs> everything that you're doing in your daily life and raising those two girls. Lila and, well, Lila and uh, and Kelly. Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Kelly, yeah. Yeah, well, good for you, man. Uh, life is good. Life is good. And, uh, and it can be better. So bless you. Thank you. And thank you, uh, Mike. And uh, thanks for representing Southern New Jersey in such a profound way. I appreciate it. All right. Take That's care. Great. Take thanks, care. Mike. Yeah. All right, bye. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Well, that was great uh, talking to Rob there. And again, I just want to repeat my thanks and gratitude. And I think I speak on behalf of many people listening to this podcast, our thanks to everybody who has been out there working, uh, whether you mop the floors at the hospitals, whether you stock the grocery shelves in the middle of the night, whether you deliver us our packages, um, you've been willing to do what I can't and won't do, uh, which is to be out there amongst uh, people. And, um, and so that means you've taken a, a greater risk than I have. And, and while I think what the people that have been able to stay at home and stay away and, you know, stay in some sort of lockdown has helped, at least in the states that are, are, have been obeying these orders, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we've uh, things have gotten a bit better. Uh, the other states where they aren't doing it, I wish you would do it because uh, it, it worked in the worst places. And let me tell you, New York, New Jersey. Michigan were really bad, and uh, and now they're better. Not over. No way. We're not anywhere near over, but um, it's better. So thank you uh, to Rob for risking uh, your health and your life uh, to drive that truck and deliver those packages, and thank you to everybody else out there who are doing similar jobs uh, so that the rest of us don't have to. Um, I'll never forget it, and I will always push for the fact that you should be taken care of, whether it's your wages, your benefits, your protections, whatever. Uh, none of us will forget 2020 and you'll be able to say that that you left the house. You took that risk so that we didn't have to, so that we could live. Our final uh, guest uh, and listener uh, on uh, today's uh, podcast is uh, the co-winner the, uh, of the 10 millionth listener. Uh, they just happened to plop down at the same time. And so we had a tie, uh, which was great because uh, this allowed our third uh, winner to uh, be an international listener. Uh, as long as you consider Canada international, I do. They are not us. Uh, and uh, <laughs> a whole wave of Canadians just went, yes, thank God. Um, but, uh, our, our, our third guest tonight, her name is Kathy Best and she lives on Vancouver Island, uh, just off the uh, coast of it's part of British, British Columbia. And, 
um, off the coast of Canada there in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, she, uh, 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 Basil here, our executive producer, just uh, got her all lined up uh, today on a Zoom. It's her first Zoom. And um, and I'm really looking forward to, to talking to her. And I want to thank all the people who don't live in the United States who listen to this podcast. It means a great deal to me. And I love getting uh, emails from you and voicemails and whatever. So thank you for the, the feedback. Thank you for checking out um, my view of what's going on in the United States right now. And to the Canadians who make up, I've, I've seen the analytics of this, make up almost 10% of our, of our uh, uh, total audience. That's huge. There's only 35 million uh, Canadians. So um, thank you uh, again to the Canadians who have supported my work uh, over the years and have been our good neighbors here in Michigan. Um, I'm not here in Michigan right now. I'm in New York City, but uh, well, actually in New York, it borders Canada. So you're still our neighbors. All right. Anyways, let's, let's get, uh, let's get her on Zoom here. Uh, our, our co 10 millionth Listener, uh, we are now uh, speaking on the phone uh, with our our the, our other. Uh, <laughs> there was a tie for our ten millionth uh, uh, listener. Uh, it was happening pretty fast uh, that night, and uh, we're talking Lovely. to Kathy Best uh, from uh, Vancouver Island in British Columbia, which is part of Canada. In case you weren't taught taught that in school. <laughs> Canada Campbell is, River is even, Campbell River. It's even smaller. Campbell so River Island, and then Campbell River. See, okay, right away, proof that she's Canadian. She's so trusting. <laughs> she is telling this American <laughs> listening audience exactly where she is on Vancouver that's Island. Right, right. Uh, uh, well, th- th- thank you, thank you for your trust in us. You're uh, <laughs> But um, it uh, so so you uh, so you were also number ten million along with Rob Messick. And um, and we were happy to see that we had a, a Canadian uh, because we we know we have a lot of a lot of uh, we have a big international audience to this podcast. Uh, we hear from people all over the world. Anyways, I don't know where I'd be without your information either. So oh well, that's so kind know. of you to say that. So yeah. you, so you had you had listened to it before the the contest to be the ten millionth uh, listener. Oh yeah, I, I was I saw it very first the very first rumble uh, oh, because wow. I follow you on all your your. Instagram and Facebook. So I just get those, I put you as a, uh, a primary uh, favorite on my, and then I just get little bings whenever you come on. So you oh had said that you had a rumble coming on. So I yes. directly went, I, I watch, I listen to Mark Maron and you're my second favorite. Oh. Mark Maron, you know, I've been listening to him for 10 years. Oh so. no, my God, he's great. Are you kidding? He gets I, number I, one. I, yeah, yeah. No, no. I've been on his show. I've been in his garage. Oh, here. Good. I, that his, was one of my show. questions. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, he's great. He's absolutely he's great. He's awesome. Actually, yeah. to, to be considered to be number two next to him, and that's a, yeah. that's a high praise because he's <laughs> earned it for many, many years. I've yeah, done yeah, this for six uh, months. Yeah, he's so. amazing. But you've been doing it for a long time too, just not uh, not in public. You know? <laughs> right. I haven't followed you since you were 15, but I have followed you since maybe 2002. So uh, Okay, right. Yeah. So, so, uh, and thank you for putting me a little star by my, so that your, yes. your phone dings when I post, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't get either of my sisters to do that. To, to no. just, and they say to me, oh, we didn't know you were going to be on Bill Maher. I said, I posted it. I yeah, but, yeah. I said, if you would just put a ding, 
But when yeah. I post something, you would know, you know, if, it, if I was going to yeah. be on. Turn your phone on or something. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They're, they're, otherwise, they're wonderful sisters. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. you uh, talk about them very nicely on your show. Yeah, no. I'm, oh, geez, I'm so lucky to have them. It's, yeah. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the one closest in age to me isn't even a year younger than me. We're Irish uh, twins. So, right. uh, so my poor mom. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm um, the youngest of six. So I, oh, uh, I know what it's like to have brothers and sisters. Yeah. And lots how, of them. How, how many boys and girls are there? Uh, there's three boys, three girls, and I'm the youngest of, uh, of the six of them. So what do you do there on Vancouver Island? Not to be confused with Vancouver, the city. That's right, because uh, it's a little island. Well, yes. I have a, a small uh, home-based business where I'm, it's called Kathy's Hot Damn Jam, and I make... Um, Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, what? Kathy's, <laughs> Kathy's Hot, hot Damn... Hot damn. Jam. Yeah, D-A-M. Hot damn D-A-M jam. So it's decadent infused jams made with fruit and liquor and chocolate. Wow. <laughs> so um, uh, my new flavor is cherry double oak bourbon chocolate. So oh they're little God. jams. Yeah, and I pro- process them and I put little labels on them and I sell them in markets. And well, right now we don't have any markets because um, of the pandemic. So I sell online. People take orders and I send them in the mail uh, and ship them and deliver them. And I also make fresh salsa and I deliver that in, uh, in my town. I just get customers offline and uh, I get orders and every two weeks I make a huge uh, batch of fresh salsa and I put it in little containers and I deliver it to my customers once every two weeks or so. Now, where are you, are you making this at your home or? Yeah, I have a home-based business and a home license with the Bank Brown and Health Authority. And I can sell to small, in small markets. So I, I use Grand Marnier. So I have a strawberry Grand Marnier. And then I have a raspberry uh, double oak bourbon and a cherry double oak bourbon with chocolate and the strawberry margarita with a tequila called 1921. So mm-hmm. it's a, a tequila that I bought in uh, Mexico a couple of years back. So I just take whatever I like, whatever I have, right. and uh, and make it into a. And then you know these jams are are decadent, so they're not like you wouldn't open it, and maybe put it on toast. You would put it on your charcuterie board. You know what that is? No. <laughs> what kind on it's a board? It's a teaching day for me. I know. Char- charcuterie. Charcuterie. I don't know how to spell it, but charcuterie. Uh-huh. And it's a board filled with uh, deli meats and crusty breads and olives and uh, and uh, pepperonis. Oh, sure. And I think you, I know what this is. Yeah. yeah. And then you get them at restaurants or you make them at home. And then you take a block of this jam and a little block of maybe grainy mustard and you just kind of put that all together on your charcuterie board. And then, so, so what do you what do you dip into the jam? The little you dip like the crusty bread with some ch- cheese and maybe a pepperoni, and then the then the jam on top, and then you pop it into your mouth. And oh, it's like a little cake. kind of a, a kind of a decadent sandwich, right? Decadent, so. decadent little, uh, you know, like at ha- like at your happy hour when you're having a little happy hour with your uh, with your family or your wife yeah. or your girlfriend or whatever or yeah. your husband, whatever, whatever the case. Yeah, I've never, I've never had a happy hour, but yeah. You've never had a half hour? Um, every week or week or two, maybe. There's one <laughs> yeah. hour in my life that's happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I, I mean, tend to do a lot of happy hours by myself these days. So, uh, uh, why, why is that? No, this is this well, could be because, dangerous because of that. Uh, because I've been oh, because you, yeah, yeah. yeah, 
You've been, you've been inside. Oh my God. I've been inside and I've been out probably four times to the grocery store in three months. And I've uh, delivered my no contact delivery, my salsa and jams to some of my customers. Has that worked? So I just, yeah. I haven't, I don't have enough people, but uh, I just do it to keep me from maybe uh, uh, crying underneath my bed or whatever. Oh no, no, no. So, <laughs> no, it's not that. But, 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 but in non-pandemic times, Yes. Uh, these jams are enough that you can make a living doing this. Well, no, I don't make a living. I make uh, enough money for Christmas and birthday gifts for my three kids and three grandchildren. So what's, so the, day, what's the day job that, that allows you to, to survive? Uh, it's my husband works. He, uh, he lives in Ontario, which is 5,000 miles away from, so it's on the other side. Perfect marriage. Then, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's there till he, uh, till he, uh, I don't know, finishes work or retires. And he, he got um, moved from Vancouver to there for oh. the next. So he's been there for three years and I think he's going to be there for another two years, but we talk all the time on Facebook and uh, FaceTime and now it's graduated to zoom now. So we're, right. we're staying within the times, you know, and he, right. he's, worked, we've been together for 35 years or something. Oh like my that. goodness. So, yeah. 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 You're yeah, okay. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're great. And I would never complain about him not being here because, because of that same reason is that I would never complain about that because some people don't have that. I'm fortunate to have that. And I would never say, uh, I'm sad that he's not here because it, really, to be honest, if he's here, I can only handle him three days at a time anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to go back home within three days. So, but what you're saying is you're fortunate because you have this 35 year relationship. Yes. And, and fortunate that the two of you uh, have an income where yeah. um, you're not having to, to grovel. Not uh, having to grovel. No. Right. And I've never, I've never really had to, I've ne I, the only way I know about people groveling is when I listen to uh, anything from the United States and what yeah. happens there. I, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine. I, I would never say I know how you feel because. No, no. But I, how is that? Why is it in Canada um, that it there's, is it just that you have such a strong safety net that, that if you do hit upon hard times, the society has decided that you're not to be punished because you've hit upon <laughs> hard times. Uh, that some, no, I've no, never experienced that either. But what, there so are what, people what, with no money and no jobs and in poverty so here. What uh, happens? What happens then? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happens to them. They go on welfare or. Um, There's a welfare system that that gives yes. them some money. Yes. Should they Should they be without? Yes. Yes, and I I don't think I've ever been on it in my entire life because again I've uh, been fortunate and made some good decisions in my life and stayed in a stable relationship and had three children and just kind of go with the flow. I, I'm not saying I've had no problems, but uh, I'm, when I listen to you and your podcast and when I listen to the CNN news or if I listen to any uh, cold case crime uh, podcasts about the old days, and it, it's all in the States, and I'm thinking, God, I just can't imagine. And then I just love my life every minute after that. <laughs> 
after I listen to the hardships of other people. This is why people used to watch soap operas. So if you're at the end of the soap opera, you just felt like, well, I thought my life was bad, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, so I feel a little bit That's better. really bad. You just watch have, the news from the United States and turn that yeah. off and you go, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you were saying, um, so you've never had to, to be on, on welfare in Canada? No. Um, well, I haven't personally. What do you, so. what, what do you, what's your, what do you pay? What's your premium for your health care each month? How much do you have to pay uh, <laughs> for your health insurance? I'm just curious. I've heard you ask these questions before. And, no, uh, I know. Because this is what makes me mad. I don't know what my husband pays, but I'm sure he pays something, but I'm not sure what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I think the answer I would be zero. I stay out of that. Yeah. Do you know what a deductible is? Do you know what uh, you ever hear of a d deductible? <laughs> I, I do know a deductible only because uh, I think if you open a house or you, you get in a car accident, you get there's a deductible. If you oh, for that kind of insurance. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So you would know but, that. How about a copay? You know what a copay is? No. No. no uh, if my husband's here, you he probably know, but I don't know the answers. No, he doesn't know because you don't pay a copay in Canada. Okay. <laughs> you pay you taxes. I think you're partially Canadian, you know. I always think oh. of you as my soul brother, like a Canadian. Oh, thanks. Dad. You know, my grandfather was was born in Ontario. He was he was Canadian, and yeah. um, he was a farmer, and then he yeah. was a teacher, and then he wanted to he wanted to be a doctor, but there were no at that time in the 1800s medical schools in that part of Ontario. So he came to Michigan uh, to okay. go to medical school, and that's how I ended up. Um, right. In, my so, mom. what part of Ontario do you know the town? Yeah, or? it's 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 called Alveston. It's 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 halfway between Sarnia and London, Ontario. Okay. Yeah, well, that's where my it? husband's from. Is from that part of Ontario. His yeah. family is from uh, Owen Sound. Oh yeah, Owen Sound, of course. Yes. Yeah, uh, and Meaford. Down. It's a really small town called Meaford, and that's where he went to school. Mm. Yeah, so I know that area uh, very yeah. well, and we have Canadian relatives. And You'll be happy to know. See, I knew you were a little Canadian, a little bit Canadian. Well, it's partly, partly. I don't know what the. Partly, it's because just politically, I yeah. don't under. You, you got to understand if you're in Detroit, you're in Port Huron, Michigan, you're in Sault Ste. Yeah. Marie, you yeah. look across a river that's a quarter of a mile, half a mile wide, and you <laughs> and you wonder how. Mm -hmm. is, you know, I, I, I pick the subject matter. Why are there 300 murders in our city here on one yeah. side of the river? And in many years in Windsor, Ontario, across the river yeah. from Detroit, there are zero murders, maybe one. Maybe well, you know what that's from. Bad year would be two. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't have, I don't carry arms. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually hunts. afraid. I'm afraid of them. But uh, hunting is one of your top sports. Well, hunting, if you're a hunter, my son hunts, yeah. uh, but he goes right up like somewhere. I don't even know where he goes. But And my, my husband hunted all his life and had guns, uh, rifles and stuff, but in a big box locked away. I didn't, I hate them and I'm afraid of them because I didn't come from that sure. kind of a, I can't, I, I was brought up in the, on the island in a really, really, really small town. So even smaller than the one I'm in right now. So, But your, I, husband, uh, your husband and your son. Uh, yes. own guns and own. yes and yeah. like many americans who own guns what i what i've just always been amazed by is how why is it that canadians don't take the guns they own and go shoot somebody when they get Cause, upset because we're not angry at anybody okay because, I, because I have seen you i've seen your hockey players i've seen canadian anger <laughs> they get okay. paid to be angry though we don't get paid to be angry. I think we oh, just we just bleed it out differently, our anger. And I don't think we have uh, we have nothing. Why is that? You're just across the river. You're just like yeah, us. You have the same twenty three yeah. chromosomes in each of your cells. What? what why? I know. Why? 
No, Michael, I don't know. And I, I'll never forget the podcast you did about the nurses. I was telling my husband about one of your podcasts that you were telling us about nurses that came over from the border to Detroit. Yes, during the pandemic did, here. Did they? Yes. Did my question is, did they get paid or were they were they summoned or did they come over voluntarily? That was my question. Well, they had to come over voluntarily because they were going to have to enter a city that was per capita close to New York in terms of the number of people that were dying. So they came voluntarily to help. Yes, they were paid, and and they were they were put up in um, in hotels and dorms and right. whatever. But um, but at some sacrifice, uh, yeah. they don't live in Detroit. They live in Canada. Yeah. And I think uh, it was Rashida, our congresswoman from Detroit. Oh yeah, I listened to that con. That, yeah, uh, I think I, I think she's. What did she say, Basil? There were like a thousand, two thousand Canadian nurses that were in Michigan trying to help out. It was, um, it was just, it was, uh, it was a real gift um, mm -hmm. from these, you know, Canadian nurses. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I guess I think I've always, I've, what I have said to my fellow Americans for many years is that, you know, I think we would be better off if we were uh, a little more Canadian-like, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, you don't want to go full Canadian because that might get a little boring for us. But, yeah. but um, there are many ways that you have chosen to do things that I just think, God, I think we'd be so much happier and better. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, if today was your last day to speak on earth, uh, in one sentence, what would you say? What would I say? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I, I, have, might, I have, I I have two more, and you can think about that one. Well, no, I, I, might, I might read a poem aloud by uh, Langston Hughes. Okay. Um. He wrote this poem, I don't know, it might have been back in the, in the 30s, 1930s, um, called Let, Let America Be America Again. Yeah. And it sort of takes the opposite approach to uh, make America great again, because yeah. his, his point was then and would be now that we never actually did attain the greatness that we said we wanted to or we thought we could be but never were. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so beautiful. And I'd, I would like to, if I were to leave, I'd want people, I'd like to leave with them thinking about those words of his. Yeah. And, uh, Just something peaceful and uh, yeah, positive. Yeah. Peaceful and positive instead of big ideas. And, and a challenge that hope just doesn't come out of thin air. Yeah. That to be truly hopeful, we have to make that happen. Yeah. There's no, there's no praying and hoping and cross fingers. Uh, but those no. days are gone and those, uh, are, gone. those right. are childish. There's like when we were children, we hoped and prayed and we crossed our fingers. Uh, we're full blown adults. And uh, uh, I don't know what I can do as a Canadian. I don't know, except just sit in with my uh, knuckle, uh, white knuckling as I watch television every day. Well, so. keep being Canadian, keep being yeah. a good model for us. Uh, you know, li live your lives the way you live them because you operate with this concept of we mm -hmm. and, and we're all about sadly a, too much me, 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 me. Yeah. And, um, and so if enough, if you can inspire enough people as Canadians, uh, people to the South of you, yeah. um, then you will have done a good thing. What's your second, what's your second question? Um, my second question is um, what is the driving force that makes you who you are today and uh, if you had a chance, uh, would you do anything differently? Mm. Well, the driving force, geez, I've just always, since I was a kid, 
I know. I knew you were going to say this because I, no, I know you go back as far as your teens and your first uh, standing up for, uh, for politics and finding out who's good. Well, even before, I knew, even before I knew about politics, though, I, I did not like situations that I thought weren't fair. You know, yeah. there wasn't some just some basic decency and fairness involved. Yeah. And, yeah. and it made me mad. Um, it, it, um, and of course, when I'm really a kid, you don't really, you don't know what to do. You hold, you have no power. To yeah, do anything and you have no it. words. You're not articulate. You can't you're articulate, not articulate your right. feelings or you but just the, know in your heart that it's wrong. That it was wrong and it's wrong yeah. when I'm watching. This is wrong. Yeah. And, um, and that, that stuck with me for quite some time. And as I became a teenager and then an adult, then I was, I, I knew that there was a different kind of fuel that was running my engine, so to speak, mm-hmm. that, um, that I, I couldn't sit by and be silent. I always believed that, that silence was complicity and, and that I needed to stand up and speak out uh, for those that didn't have what I had or, or for the things that I didn't have that I felt that I and others like me who came from the working class of Flint, Michigan, that we deserved. And, yeah. and um, so, so that the, yeah. the, the, what was the, the final question? Uh, the one, the part of that last one was, uh, if you had anything to do, if you could do anything different, what would it be? If you could do anything different, like the first part of the question, what, what was your driving force? And, uh, that's the A of that was, and what would you do differently if you could, if you could go back and do something different, what would it be? Well, that's a, for me, that's a very personal question. Okay. And cause I've asked myself that I don't have to ask myself cause I already know the answer to yes. it, but I don't really know the answer because I'll say to myself, if only I had done this yeah. or, or only if I hadn't done that, but yeah. that, how do I know that I would be here? Yeah, that's your, that's your answer enough. then is uh, 2020, right? So yeah. Uh, and then maybe you have to just let it be and you have to say, yes. that's the way life is and was yeah. and, and that, you know, how I wish I hadn't taken that job and then I got fired, but, but it was when I was fired that I came up with the idea to make my first movie. So mm-hmm. I never would maybe have made that first movie had I not been fired. So at, what I've learned by this point in my life is that when something God awful happens, just whether, you know, there's some crisis or calamity in my life, um, instead of uh, becoming morose and dark and everything else, mm-hmm. like I might have when I was younger, I actually, I, not, it's not that I get happy about the, 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 the bad luck that I've encountered, mm-hmm. but I will say to myself, do you remember what's happened every single time in your life when shit happened to you? Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. could have been a job, it could have been a relationship, it could have been any of a number of things. And what happened when that, you know, the cliche of that, when that door closed, suddenly this window opened and that is what happens. Something greater happens, right? Yes. Yes. And if the bad things hadn't happened to me, I never would have done the better things. Yeah. That left turn or that right turn, whatever it was. Yeah. When, now when it happens, now when the bad stuff happens, I go, Oh, wow. You, you know, that's the, the term shit happens came along. Well, but yes, but the, I actually get happy when shit happens now yeah. because that cliche of it's always darkest before the dawn. I yeah. now know I'm at my darkest point, which means that here comes the sun. Doo, doo, yeah. doo, doo. Now we don't have to wait much longer because <laughs> no. of that. Yeah. No. And so, and that is, 
you don't know that though when yeah. you're in your teens or 20s or yes. 30s that 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 there is a this your life is like a wave that that yeah. does go up and down and yeah. it has to go down before it can come up and yeah. so that i've learned and therefore i do not despair when the down when the down happens so right. Right. Um, and even if it's in a time like this where i'm confined to my apartment here mm-hmm. <laughs> on day and one me too and I, I, I often wonder when you're talking and you're saying you're in your apartment, I go, oh, so am I. You know, I'm in my apartment. I've been here for since uh, March 8th. And uh, I just keep cleaning and cooking and gaining 10 pounds. And that's, and I'm just thinking it's, it's what I do always, except I go to markets to sell. But I'm pretty much doing everything that I would normally do, except uh, maybe getting out a bit more. And, I've, and I've, I've started to do things I haven't done in a long time. Or, or things I've never, yeah, I've never, or things I've never done. And, and I'm, I'll do a podcast when we're near the end of the pandemic, by the way, it will end, by the way. Yeah. Everyone should know that. uh, Viruses do not last forever. The bubonic plague, I believe was a bacteria, bacteria based and went for 300 years. Pandemic, Mm -hmm. pandemic with a virus, not so long. Right. A couple, three years, you know, we'll be be through this. um, If we all do the right things. But, um, but I want to, I want to do, do want to do a podcast <laughs> about what I've learned during this time. Like just even talking to you, I've learned all this stuff about jam and, <laughs> and, peppers. and, and peppers that I knew nothing yeah. about. So I will yeah. take that with me today. I'll write that <laughs> in my diary and, and I will be grateful for Kathy best. Um, <laughs> but, and I, I, we're, we are at the end of this, but I, 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 um, it, it, it means a lot to me that you were listening to the podcast from the yeah. beginning. Oh well, I'd love to send you some jam, Michael Moore. So oh, oh, Somebody I would love has- that. Uh, uh, I would love to share uh, <laughs> your website or address or whatever with the people who are listening to this because I know people's mouths started watering as you described <laughs> those various jams. So if yeah. people want uh, Kathy's hot damn jam. D-A-M. Uh, D-A-M, please. Go to, go to, Keep it clean. Uh, it's Canada. Keep it clean. Facebook. I'm on Facebook as uh, my little Facebook page is uh, Kathy's Hot Damn Jam. And you just go there and you'll see all my products. I make a whole other bunch of products. I make- so you're at Kathy's Hot Damn, D-A-M, uh, Jam. Jam. And, and no apostrophe S, just Kathy's? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't think it's apostrophe. No, I think it's yeah. just Kathy's Hot Damn Jam. I think if you just write Hot Damn Jam with the H-O-T-D-A-M-J-A-M, it'll come up on it'll, Facebook. It'll come up. Well, uh, Kathy, uh, thank you. And you don't have to sell. I'll pay, I'll pay for it. I mean, you don't, uh, okay. you know, I, I, I want to support you. And I think yeah. you're going to get a few orders uh, from That'd people listening to this. Um, well, I've been talking to Kathy Best uh, from Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada, Campbell River, to be specific. We're going to be yeah, okay. This is, yeah, we're going to be okay. You're going to get As long a, as I get to keep hearing your, your, your voice. And I wanted to say two words to you. Vulnerability. Yes equals courageous vulnerable equals courageous that's how i think of you oh geez that is uh no i'm serious that's very (laughs) well i heard that saying one time and uh i thought of you right away when somebody said to be courageous you have to be vulnerable is the is the thing you can't do it i've never heard that i've learned that that's a new thing i learned that's another canadian thing i guess (laughs) Yes. To be courageous, you have to be vulnerable. So vulnerability equals courageous. That's well, we, something I just want to write and put it up on my wall. You know, we all need to do that. So. Yeah, I think so too. 
So Thank those you. are my two last words. Thank you very much, Kathy. You're very uh, welcome. Thank you for being our 10 millionth uh, listener <laughs> along with Rob Messick. And, <laughs> um, and uh, um, I hope uh, our paths will cross uh, someday That's there good. in or yeah. around Vancouver. <laughs> All right, listen, you, you have to be from the Midwest or Canada to understand the, the long goodbye whenever you leave your relative's house, your friends, whatever. Uh, Kathy Best, thank you uh, for that. I'm looking forward to the jam and um, and uh, hang in there out on out on that island. Uh, it's all this this has been great talking to uh, these three listeners. Wow. Um, we'll do this again uh, sometime. Um, I love hearing uh, the feedback and having that having that discussion. I love the sense that we're all in this together. I hope you feel that way. I feel that way. And if we keep this up, um, I do believe things are going to get better, folks. Uh, it won't happen on its own. It will happen with our action. Um, so that's it for our sixth, six-month anniversary show, uh, episode number 92. Looking forward uh, to the next uh, six months, the next 92 episodes. And thank you, all of you, for, for being here with me. I also want to thank our executive producer, uh, Basil Hamden. Uh, our editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, the Rumble Kitchen Cabinet, Anne, Veronica, Kelsey, Joe, Donald, Harold, Dania, all of you. Um, thanks also to our underwriters who have been supporting us, and I ask you to please uh, support them. And many thanks to all of you who are listening, all you listeners who are surreptitiously listening to me in your cubicles, your cars, classrooms, wherever you're hiding deep inside the Amazon warehouse, out sneaking a quick smoke outside the stop and rob, slaving away in the lettuce fields, surviving whatever assembly line you're stuck on, heading home on the end train. Thanks to the elderly and to the new moms who are listening, to the florist, the barista, the barristers, and all of you downloaders, freeloaders, free subscribers, college dropouts, the mass incarcerated soon to be freed, and the soon-to-be-incarcerated Commander-in-Chief. I promise to come see you on visiting days. All of you, you can leave me a voicemail, a personal voicemail. I listen to these. You can leave it right here on the podcast platform page. There's a link to leaving me a voicemail. Do that. I love it. Uh, you can also write me an email at mike at michaelmoore.com. Mike at michaelmoore.com. I read my own email, uh, but I rarely have time to answer it. So, but write me anyways, because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little lonely right now. Uh, also, please subscribe to Rumble. It costs nothing. Plus, it'll also pick up my spirits. Just go again uh, to whatever platform you're listening to this on. Find the subscribe button and hit it. It's free. And don't forget our Rumble Media's first feature-length movie, Planet of the Humans. We've had it up now for close to six weeks, and it's still available for free. No longer censored. It's on my YouTube channel. Go watch this movie, the movie they didn't want you to see. I wanted to also just close by telling you that we have big plans here for Rumble Media, and we want you to be part of it. We've got a lot of ideas in the coming months, so stay tuned for more of our, our ruckus and our rebellion. We have had it, and you have had it. We're not going back to the old normal. So that's that, folks. Let's take this revolt forward 
and create the true democracy and the equitable, peaceful, fair, and kind society that we've been promised forever and never, never got to have. Let's do it. Let's rumble. I'm Michael Moore. I'll talk to you soon. See you in the streets.